welcome to the Bloom Your Mind podcast, where we take all of your ideas for what you want and we turn them into real things. I'm your host, Certified Coach Marie McDonald. Let's get into it. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 42, all about how to be a boundary babe. (laughs) It is really lovely in San Diego right now, and I have um, an excessive amount of plants around my house. (laughs) I really love growing plants. I really love having green living things everywhere. I am kind of a minimalist. I don't like to hang on to stuff. I have a pretty like when people walk into my house, there's like no clutter anywhere. But if there's something that I hoard, it's plants and my children's drawings. I never throw away a drawing of theirs, obsessed with their drawings and the evolution of them. But these plants are all over the place. And something happened with our weird weather this year as our weather systems and patterns are changing and um, you know, the plants were all confused about it. So here it is mid September and there's all this new growth in the garden. I have this big, you know, vegetable patch and flower beds and vines everywhere. And even the plants inside the citrus trees, figs and grapes and trumpet flowers, everything just has all this new growth on it. So it's a bloom and fall. (laughs) And I'm really happy about it. Another thing that's blooming is the Bloom Room. I'm so excited about this. My group program is launching next week. The doors will open for people to enroll midweek next week, and then we'll close on Friday of next week. Um, And then we'll have a week in between, and then the group program will start. It's halfway full. We're going to fill up those other spots, open the doors for people who've been waiting to enroll. So I will send you lots of material on that. If you don't follow me on Instagram or my email list, hop on there and get into the Bloom Room. It's going to be a wonderful four months together. So today we are talking about how to be a boundary babe. (laughs) I'm sorry, this is really nerdy of me, but I was thinking about this episode and I was cracking up to myself, which I'm prone to do. (laughs) Thinking about how there's like boss babes and hot girl summers and all these names for women and people in general, when you're like desirable in some way as a person, as a partner, as a friend, as someone to have in your life. You know, what's super hot to me? Boundaries. Okay. I warned you this is nerdy, but but it's also real. Okay. I look for boundaries in everyone, in my friends, in my lovers, which is now singular, my husband, my lover, my partners, my collaborators, my colleagues. It is a deal breaker for me to be in relationship with someone without hardcore boundaries. Because no boundaries equals a hot mess, confusion, all kinds of things. I'm a big boundary fan, but I wasn't always. So I'm going to start with an example of not boundaries. Okay. You know, there's a few different stress responses when we get triggered and everybody has heard for the most part of fight or flight. And a lot of people have heard of fight, flight, or freeze, which are different 
responses that we go into when we're triggered, when our nervous system is triggered. There are two other responses, two other Fs that I learned about over the course of the past five or 10 years. One of them is called fawning. One of them is called flocking. So it's fight, flight, freeze, fawn, and flock. All of these are so valuable to understand because they just explain a lot of our weird human behavior that is unconscious. Flocking, I'll quickly describe, is when people sort of counter-identify. It's sort of like mob mentality. When people come together and demonize or other in opposition, somebody else or a different group. So politics is a great example of this. We're going to flock together and say the other side is bad. Tribalism is related to flocking. Okay. I'm not going to talk anymore about that, but it's super interesting to me to think about and notice as I walk through the world. Fawning is the other one. And I used to be a big old fawner. Being fawning is like a being a poster child for not having great boundaries. And I'm sharing this to tell you that I get it. Boundaries did not come naturally to me. I grew up in a culture and with training from different figures of authority to people please, to make peace and harmonize, to serve everyone else, to make sure no one's going to freak out, to put everyone's needs above my own, to control crises so no one blows up, to avoid conflict, to ignore harm. And that was not good for me. I had to unlearn that. And a lot of that's pretty common socialization for women and for many people. And it's harmful, actually, to everyone. Not having boundaries is not just bad for the person without the boundaries. It's confusing, disorienting, and weird for everyone around them. So to get how ridiculous fawning is in terms of what it's actually like as human behavior, I am not saying you're ridiculous if you're fawning. This is just a nervous system response. But I'm saying, I used to be have this behavior that felt pretty ridiculous in retrospect when I started looking back at it. Here's how weird it is. So you grow up with, with some kind of trauma or you have something that is traumatic in your life and you develop this response to keep the peace and to do anything that you can to do it. So what that looks like later in life is when someone is angry or upset, let's say someone's angry or upset with me, then I bake them a cake to help them feel better. (laughs) Instead of saying, yo, I'll be over here when you calm down and want to talk to me about what you're upset about. Or when someone yells at me and just is sort of like explosive and maybe yelling and cussing at me, I just keep trying to, I used to keep trying different things to understand what I did wrong and how I could fix it. I kept listening, kept letting them yell at me instead of saying, yo, I'll be over here when you calm down and want to talk to me in a reasonable way. That's when I'll be available. Or someone's really late to things. And I and if I'm if I was in fawning behavior, I'd say, did I get the address wrong? I must must have misunderstood something. I'll wait here until they're here. Or if someone was passive aggressive and weird at a party, um, then I might go sit next to them and help them feel better and say, instead of saying, yo, I'll be over here (laughs) until you're over whatever you're going through. I'm here for support, but I'm going to be over here taking care of myself and having a good time and interacting with people who are acting in a way that I want to be around. Boundaries are where you end and where others begin. Boundaries are the borders of you. They're your edges. 
You can feel those edges in life when things push into you and test you. Boundaries are amazing. And once I started learning them a few decades ago, I just was a big fan and started practicing them all the time. I still practice them. There's so much room to grow all the time with boundaries. Boundaries are the single tool that can make or break your happiness because it's how you and I, we honor ourselves, our own needs, our own desires, our edges. It's how we protect ourselves. Boundaries make or break relationships. They are core to good communication. And let's really think about that. Let's think about, so someone yells at me, let's say, and I try to change to make them happy. Then just think about that. They think then I'm signaling to them. I'm communicating to them that I'm okay with them yelling at me. And that reinforces the thinking that I agree that I did something wrong and deserve to be yelled at. That's just confusing for everybody. The relationship gets more muddy, continues to include things that alienate both of us because it's confusing to understand. Even what I think, what I agree with, where I end and where they begin. If I bake a cake for someone, it teaches them that how they're acting is okay. I'm literally having a Pavlovian response that's rewarding them with a treat for how they're acting, right? When someone is acting sort of uh, volatile and I go sit by them and don't say anything about it, but just try to ignore it and chat with them, that reinforces that I'm a person that they get to get attention from when they act like that and that it's okay with me that they're acting like that. So it creates more of that. So boundaries are the fundamental One of the fundamental things to steering our own lives, to setting clear expectations with people, to training people where our edges are, where we end and they can begin. It's the way we can tell the world our yeses and our noes. But we have to know where our edges are. We have to know where our boundaries are in order to set them and hold them. We have to know that we're not okay with certain things in order to know that it's not our job to bake a cake when they happen <laughs> or to know that something doesn't feel good to us. It's not our preference. It's not what we want to do in order to say no to an invite. We have to get familiar and understand where our edges are. We have to practice feeling those edges out in order to set boundaries. Some of my favorite language as I was beginning to practice setting boundaries and when I hear other people use these words, I know that person, it's a pretty good chance that that person has good boundaries, at least in some areas. When I hear someone say, I'm okay with that or I'm not okay with that, When I hear someone say, I'm open to that right now, or I'm not open to this right now, I'm interested in this. I'm actually not interested in that. You know what I feel like right now? I feel like this. It shows me when they use language like that, that they're in touch with their desires, their wants. They're not moving through life, pleasing everyone around them. They're actually asking themselves, where do I begin and where do I end? 
What am I okay with? So I'm going to talk to you about a few different things. I'm going to talk to you about the different kinds of boundaries that there are, and mainly my fundamental way of understanding a boundary. Then I'm going to talk about boundary hangovers, which are real, and then about boundaries versus ghosting, and then how to use listening as a boundary. And we'll close out. So first of all, a boundary is never about controlling anyone else's behavior. A boundary is never, I need you to pick your clothes up off the floor. You're not allowed to drink alcohol when you hang out with me. You may not yell when you're around me. None of those are boundaries. Those are trying to control someone else's behavior. A boundary is also never a threat. So if you notice yourself thinking that something is a boundary and really you hear in your language that it's actually you trying to control what someone else does, you know that's not a boundary. What a boundary is, is always us saying what we will do ourselves, what we have control over, what we will do if something around us happens. So what that sounds like is if you do this, I will do this. Here are some examples. If you yell at me, I will leave the room. This is one that is a f- like very real boundary for me. I don't let people yell at me. And it's one I teach to my kids. I will come back and talk to you when you're not yelling or other people that I have relationships with. I I will say you're yelling right now and I'm happy to continue talking, but I'm going to leave the room. And when you've calmed down, you can talk to me again. If you yell, I will leave the room. Another example of a boundary is if you're more than 20 minutes late, when we're going to meet up, I'm going to leave. I'm totally willing to wait for about 20 minutes. After 20 minutes, I'm going to take off and go do something else. That's a boundary. If you're late, I will leave, right? And boundaries should be set with compassion and love. So if, hey, see, you're upset. I'm not okay with people yelling at me. So I'm going to leave the room until you're not yelling anymore. If you yell, I'm going to leave. But it's not a threat. And boundaries only work if you reinforce them every single time. That's the hard part. Setting the boundaries is usually not quite as hard as reinforcing them every single time. So every time someone yells at me, I leave the room. I won't stay there. And sometimes that's really hard and scary. And especially when you're beginning, boundaries sometimes have a little bit of a hangover. (laughs) I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. First, I just want to say that most boundaries don't need to be spoken out loud because that would be really weird to go around telling everybody all of the things that you're going to do if they do different things. Like if I just met someone for the first time and said, yo, listen, if you yell, I'm leaving. That would probably be pretty off-putting. <laughs> but once a boundary's broken, generally, it can be a good time to speak them in some way. Okay, so let's move on to boundary hangovers. Boundary hangovers are how we feel right after we set a boundary. And usually it happens more when we're sort of new to boundaries or when we're setting a boundary with a new person or with when we're used to setting boundaries, but it's a new type of boundary. So here's an example that happened to me. (laughs) I was meeting with someone and they were very late. They had asked me to meet with them. 
And I was sitting there for 10 minutes and then 15 minutes. And I had expected them to be there early because they asked me to come and meet with them. And I had gotten coverage for my childcare and I was going there to support them in a conversation. And I went and I sat down to have the conversation. And then they were 10 minutes late and then 15 minutes late and then 20 minutes late. And I thought, oh, wait, what's my boundary here? I didn't think of this before. How long am I willing to sit and wait? Because I'm really happy to be here with this person. I'm here to support. I'm happy to. But how long am I going to be happy to? If I don't set a boundary, I'm going to start feeling frustrated because I'm not respecting my own time. Okay, what is my boundary? All right, well, this time I'm willing to wait about 15 more minutes. So I decided I'm willing to wait half an hour. Usually it's more like 15 or 20 minutes for me, but this time I was I was willing to wait half an hour and then I was going to go. But I wasn't expecting to need to set that boundary. And so I set the boundary and then I had a boundary hangover and I was like I said, "Hey, I'm here and I'm waiting. I'm willing to wait until about you know, this time for about 15 more minutes and then I'm going to go. I, I did it. I texted it. And then I felt like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I have clients when they're working on boundaries that experience this all the time where they're new to setting boundaries and then they feel like this boundary hangover happens. But the good news is the more you practice setting boundaries, the less the hangover happens, the easier it gets. And then sometimes there's going to be pushback you're going to have to set a boundary again and again and again. That's that follow-through piece. So an example of this is when you're having a meeting and the meeting has a specific topic that everyone is there to discuss or that you and the other person are there to discuss. And when whoever you're talking to goes off topic again and again, you might have to say, hey, I want to bring us back. What I agreed to spend my time talking about is this. And maybe it gets tangential again. And you can set the boundary by saying, okay, everybody, I know this other stuff feels important, but the reason that we're here is to talk about this. Otherwise, you're going to give a lot more of your time than you agreed to. One way that I like to do this is to say, hey, I'm just going to pause you right there and focus us back on what we're here to talk about. So that's setting boundaries over and over again or reinforcing them, which is very helpful sometimes. There's two more things I want to share. One is ghosting versus boundaries. So last year, there was a lot of talk about quiet quitting. And it was something that became a cultural norm in job industries. And there were very real reasons for doing that. It kind of extended into what, in my opinion, were work environments and work scenarios where it wasn't really appropriate to quietly quit, where it was just kind of like not communicating clearly when people were not doing their job, but just kind of showing up and and either doing the bare minimum or not doing the full job. And that's quiet quitting. And I'm not going to talk about that as a topic, but it sort of started to bleed into relationships. So people started quiet quitting relationships where they would decide they were not interested in a relationship anymore and they would just stop talking to the person. And sometimes if it's a really harmful relationship, that's the way to go. If there is abuse or some kind of harm that's being done, walk away by all means. And a lot of times when this is happening, that's actually not the case. Sometimes people set what they are calling boundaries or thinking of as boundaries by just never talking to someone again and kind of by pretending they don't exist. 
by not responding to any communication to text or email and just not saying anything about it, just pretending that they're not getting those pieces of communication or when asked saying that they're just busy or that they didn't see the communication. That is not boundary setting. If it's a really harmful situation, and I guess actually it could be considered boundary setting. I just don't think it's healthy unless it's a truly, again, harmful or abusive situation, or the person is not respecting a boundary for sure. A boundary that's already been communicated. Yeah. You can, if you've said, if you send an email, I'm not going to read it. Beautiful. The boundary's been set. I think giving someone the silent treatment without an explanation when it's not a really harmful or abusive situation is actually pretty harmful to everybody. Pretending that someone doesn't exist because they trigger you is not setting a boundary. It's ghosting them. And I just think it's so much better for us to practice saying, hey, if you send me an email, I'm not going to respond. If you send me, you know, I'm not actually interested in talking anymore. So I just want to let you know, I won't be replying. I'm not interested in hanging out. So I'm just going to do this other thing. Setting boundaries verbally is super empowering for us and also is much less confusing for others. So the other day, my client shared an example of this and she said, you know, I realized that there was this friendship I'm not interested anymore in being a part of. And so I had kind of turned down a few different uh, requests to hang out with this person. And then she emailed me after a while and said, hey, I'm just noticing that you've turned down my last three or four requests to hang out. Is anything going on? And my client said she thought about this a little bit. And then she said, yeah, I'm actually sending this email to this person to let them know. And she sent an email that said, hey, you know, I just realized we're looking for really different things in relationships. And neither way is good or bad or right or wrong. I'm just not really interested in a friendship because I think we're looking for really different things. That's a beautiful boundary. It's communicating very clearly what's going on, not taking a lot of her time to set the boundary, but just eliminating confusion and being compassionate so the other person isn't wondering, left wondering and confused. So that's my take on ghosting versus setting boundaries. And lastly, there is an episode that I recorded called Listen to This which talks about a lot of different listening skills and different ways to listen. And one of the ways of listening that I go into on that episode is called mirror listening. You know, this is also can be called active listening or reflective listening. When someone is upset and you want to stay in conversation with them and they're saying how they feel, Mirror listening is just repeating back what you're hearing in a non-weird way. So if someone says, man, I cannot stand it, when you're late to things, because it's just such a sign of disrespect. You might say, oh, I hear you. You're, you feel really disrespected when I'm late to things. So you're just reflecting back and validating, showing them that you heard them. And when you're done reflecting back, you can say, did I get that right? Did I leave anything out? And again, it's so important to use this type of listening in a way that feels like you, like authentic. But what I want to say about it, I already went into that tool in that episode, listen to this. But what I want to say about it is it can be a hard thing to do because it feels like you're telling someone you agree with them. But mirror listening is actually an incredible way to set boundaries because you're just a mirror. You're saying you feel that, you think that. 
And it's a really wonderful way to get through conflict in a way that reflects back, hey, this is yours and this is mine. I hear that you think that. I hear that you feel that. And then I'm going to tell you what I think or feel. All right. Have fun setting boundaries this week. We talked about what they are. We talked about language that reinforces them. We talked about why they're important. We talked about ghosting versus boundaries. We talked about mirror listening as a boundary. And we talked about boundary hangovers and how it takes sometimes a lot of reinforcement. We have to set boundaries and reinforce them over and over again. I love me some boundaries. I hope that you do too, or at least you begin to develop a little comfort with them. That's what I've got for you this week, my friends. And I will see you next week. Thanks for hanging out with me, friends. If you like today's episode and you want more of them, please take two minutes right now to subscribe and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Then send this episode to a friend. See you next time.